Good morning. I want to welcome you uh, to God's house, especially if you're watching online. And if I sound a little different today, it's the price I paid to be in the ocean every day for five days in Cancun, Mexico. I'm sorry that I sound this way. I deserve it. I know. We'll get through it because it's God's words and my words, I pray, that are his words also today that you get to hear. Um, so if I say to you this morning, God is with you, how does that make you feel? How does it make you feel? God is always with you. That the Bible promises, especially as he says it to Moses and Joshua and many other people, he will never leave us or forsake us. He'll never leave those two children that he's always in our lives active, even though we can't see it. That's a Bible truth for sure. But you know what? Sometimes we just need a hug. Sometimes we just need a hug. And what I mean by that is sometimes God can seem so far away, so way up in heaven, and we're way down here, puny little things on this, on this world, right? And sometimes we don't understand, and we can't understand his mind and his ways and we ask God, where are you, God? I mean, don't you wish you would just have the Heavenly Father's arms just hugging you sometime? I know I do. Because believe it or not, when we're gathered in worship, the truth of it is, we worship a God who is unseen and untouched. Don't we? We worship a God who's unseen and untouched. I mean, St. Paul writes to a young pastor named Timothy these words from 1 Timothy chapter 6. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone, alone is immortal. And who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. That's the God we have. And it's a paradox that we live in. A God who is imminent, meaning he's, he's near in, in the person and work of Jesus. That's what we celebrate why he, he was born into this world. But he's transcendent. He's above all things. And we live in that tension in life where sometimes we just want his presence and, and know that he's truly there. Don't get me wrong. God's words are precious. They're living and active. They give hope to us. I hope they're precious to you as much as they're precious to me. But guess what? We're made for more than just words. We're made to be touched. We're made to be cared for. Aren't we? Now, I don't know about you, but uh, COVID's been going on now for almost two years. Really? Can you imagine that? Almost two years. Does anyone know how to hug anymore? Does anyone know how to I mean, we're sometimes, sometimes I, I think we're scared to even cough or sneeze, right? Don't get near me six feet apart. I mean, as an extroverted person, right, I've lost the ability to greet somebody. I really have. I don't even know how to greet anymore. You know what I do? I just wait, kind of wait. What are you going to do? Are you going to fist bump me? Are you going to handshake? Are you going to give me a hug? I mean, I'm waiting for you guys to make the first move. Where it's usually me, I'm just like, you know, hugging. Do you remember the stickers we had? I'm a hugger. I'm a fan. Do you remember that? I don't know. Some things we can't remember, right, because COVID's been going on for so long. But we had those. And we've, uh, we've lost the ability, I think, to, to, to greet people these days. I don't know if you knew this. If you read the email newsletters, uh, that I was able to go to Virginia, Fort Pickett Army Base, twice this fall. 
I can't even remember the months. I don't know if I went in September, October, and November. But I, I was able to go twice. Why? Because there were 10,000. There were. Maybe there are now. Maybe probably less. Sometimes more. It just depends. The number fluctuated. Afghan refugees were housed at Fort Pickett. 10,000. Did you get that number? But one out of Eight, that was only one out of eight military bases in our country that are housing 60,000 Afghan ref refugees that are being uh, housed, that are being vetted, and are trying to be resettled in different, country, uh, different cities in, in the United States. And regardless of what you think about the U.S. policy on Afghanistan or Afghani people, they are precious beings, aren't they? Created by God that need to hear the good news. And they're Afghan people that are Muslim that are Shiite Muslim or Sunni Muslim. I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute. But I was able, I got a phone call from my, my son early on, and he said, Dad, they need soccer coaches. They being Missionary Athletes International, it's a soccer ministry that goes to different uh, places around the world to do soccer ministry. And when I heard that, you know me, right? Of course I'm going to go. Of course. It was the first time in 15 years that I hadn't had a, a team to coach in the fall, so I was free. So I was able to go with my son Brandon, who's studying and, and, and serving a church in St. Louis, uh, in the seminary with another man from our church, Rudy Alvarado. Is I don't know if Rudy's here or not, but, but Rudy is uh, probably the highest level of soccer player that we have in our congregation. He plays semi-pro, and he's trying to get to the second tier of our, of our U.S. soccer pyramid. But he was able to go with the soccer players doing soccer ministry in this place. And the second time I went, I was able to lead a team with three from our church. One is Chris Sturgis, a seminarian. Another one are two pastors, a pastor from Troy, who I play soccer with, of course, the short guy on the far right, Manny Florescu, and another pastor, an Indian guy who has taken over my ministry in St. Louis called Christian Friends of New Americans, and a couple from, from our church as well, Alyssa and Brooke. They were all with me that second time. And, when I, and let me tell you, I've been to Many different countries. I just tried to do a quick count of the countries I went to this past week. At least 15 different countries in our world. And when I stepped onto that base in, at Fort Pickett, I felt like I was in another world. The breath and the scope and the things that they were doing there just boggled my mind. It was like I was going into Afghanistan. It was just filled with Afghan people and military people. It was crazy. It was called Operation Allies Welcome. And the, the man that was leading that, he and his wife and his family, uh, Colonel, um, Colonel Mark Gaylers, I uh, got a chance to say goodbye to him because he was off to another duty at that time, the second time I went. But he is a strong Christian guy. They're just leading with smiles and hugs to these people. We had a blessing, uh, <clears throat> just a blessed time with him and his family and, and a uh, just a bunch of people ministering to these Afghans. I want to share a story of one uh, Iranian pastor that went with me the first time. His name is Iman. Iman in the Arabic language means faith. Uh, his wife, Shadi, her name in English is Joy. Iman goes by James. And his Christian journey started in 2009. So, so Iman, he grew up in a Shiite Muslim family. His father was an Islamic theology professor. His mom uh, was serving their, their uh, family, and, and early on in their family, the husband, his dad, and mother uh, split up. They divorced. And so he, being the, the oldest in the family, was in charge of taking care of his other brothers and sisters. Just kind of the responsibility fell on him. Like I said, he grew up in a Shiite family, 
Afghan is made up of predominantly Shiites and Sunnis. What's the difference? Just a really quick Arabic lesson. Those that follow the Prophet Muhammad's cousin and son-in-law, Ali, they are known as Shia, Shia Atu. They follow the kind of lineage of Muhammad. Those who follow uh, the Sunnah, Muhammad's example, Sunnah, they're Sunni uh, Muslims. And so that's how it's kind of broken up, Shiite and Sunni in the religion of Islam. Those are two main groups. So Iman or James, was uh, from the Shiite family, but he was in a different, actually, class, uh, a special class of Muslim called Qari. When I say Qari, it's Q-A-R-I. That means that he, could, he memorized all 114 surahs of the holy, their holy book, the Quran. How did he memorize it? He chanted it. He sang it. He sang the whole book of Quran. So that's the kind of Muslim that he was, praise God, because here's his story. This is what happened. He was fed up with, in his heart of hearts, he longed for physical touch from his dad or mom. Never received it in his life. Never a hug, never a kiss. He began to question Islam. He began to, he was newly married to Shadi, and guess what? He up and left everything in Afghanistan. And he moved to Turkey. And wouldn't you know, the first person that he meets in Turkey is an Iranian Christian pastor and his wife. And this Iranian pastor looks at him and he says, you know what? I feel like God is telling me you just need a hug. Can I hug you? It was over. Iman was won over to Christianity by a hug, believe it or not. Of course, this Iranian pastor began to share God's word with him, help provide for him in Turkey, right? Uh, was able to actually pray over Iman when he was sick and he was miraculously healed. And so Shadi, uh, once, once uh, Iman became uh, a believer, began to follow Jesus, right, he realized he made a mistake that he left his wife. And so he wanted to go back there. And funny part of this story is when you guys are familiar like, with the confession of faith or the sinner's prayer, like come on and pray with me and we're going to receive Jesus, that kind of thing. So he's, he was praying that prayer. This Iranian pastor was leading him and Iman, Iman was saying, you know, the Iranian pastor said, okay, just pray after me now, okay? God, you are Holy Father. God, your Father, Jesus, you are the Son of God and God. And at that point he opened up his eye and goes, wait a minute. Holy Spirit, you're a God? Wait, wait, wait a minute. Am I believing in three gods? This is Iman saying this new prayer. And then he, he finally says, well, I don't know. And he tells it so much better than I do. But this man healed me and, and he hugged me. And sure, I believe it. And so he, he, he believes in Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He now has a 35-part Bible study that he does in his place in Chicago on the triune God. It's amazing, his story. I love seeing how he worked with the Afghan people because Iranian people and Afghan people don't get along. But he, one day I witnessed this firsthand. There was a guy at Fort Pickett that looked like Osama bin Laden. You know, the long beard, the, the, the face, and, the, and, 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 and I was a little bit kind of afraid. Like he had a mean look on his face. I didn't want to go, well, not Iman. He came up and he said, brother, what's wrong? And this guy said, well... I don't have my family here, and I'm really worried that the Taliban's going to, to do something harmful because I was working with the U.S. government and helping them, and I just, I'm afraid for them. And he looked at him, of course, Iman touched him, didn't even ask, just touched him and said, brother, our God loves your family more than you ever will. And he broke down, he says, can I pray for you? 
And so he starts to pray for this guy. And wouldn't you know it, we ministered there three days. This man now, the next day, has a smile on his face. We weren't able to proselytize, meaning, hey, we, we couldn't tell him straight up that we believe in Jesus and you know Jesus and all that kind of stuff. No, but if we were asked, because we were on American soil, we were asked we could absolutely share our faith to any one of those people that were the guests there at, at Fort Pickett. So that's Iman's story. And, and really the reason I share that, because here's the truth. God is active in providing real, tangible people to be Emmanuel. To be Emmanuel, God with us to us. Isn't that what this Christmas season's all about? Isn't that what many people need when this world gives us so much uncertainty and chaos? We need Emmanuel in our lives. The 915 service, some man came up to me. I recognized his face. I didn't remember his name. And he hugged me for the longest time. I mean, that's just the way God is doing it. He hugged me, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Are you? He's hugging me longer than I'm like, what is going on here? And he told me after the service that something really happened to him in his life and that my message touched him in such a way. But he hugged me before he even heard the message. It was crazy how God is active and alive. He's working today and just uh, all in our congregation. We just need hugs, don't we? Open your Bibles. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to talk about Emmanuel because it's this time of year where we remember Jesus' birth and the first gospel in Matthew, in verse 22 of Matthew chapter 1, it says, all this took place. All this took place. Well, what does all this mean? We're going to read that in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, which is, was a righteous man, meaning that, that, that he was faithful to the law of Moses, he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you're going to give him the name, what? Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. That's what all this means. That's what all this took place. Why? To fulfill what the Lord had said in verse 22. Through the prophet, the virgin will be with child, give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Literally, Emmanuel means with us God. If you read the Hebrew, em means with, nu means us, el means God. With us God. So in your notes, I intentionally wrote the word Emmanuel with an I, and you'll see a lot of Emmanuel with an E. That was done on purpose because it doesn't matter the way you spell it. If you're a Hebrew kind of uh, uh, language, you know the Hebrew language, it, it kind of starts with an I because many languages, the I sounds like an E, right? Emmanuel. If you're following the Greek way, it's, you read the Greek text in Matthew, it's spelled with an E. That's all it is. So both ways are correct, okay? Spell it I or E. Which prophet spoke that promise? Do you remember? Emmanuel. Isaiah. Isaiah. How many years before Jesus was born? 700 
700 years, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, therefore the Lord himself, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. You see, as comforting and encouraging as it can be to know that Emmanuel, God is truly with us, there's no doubt that he'll never leave us. Sometimes we just need a hug. And so can you imagine, Mary, how she was feeling? Imagine what she was going through to be pregnant, yet she was a virgin. To imagine one of my three daughters, right, getting pregnant and not having a husband. Could that cause a bit of a problem? Do you think she needed a hug? Do you think Joseph needed a hug? Being betrayed, feeling he's betrayed, lied to, confused, whatever it is. You think Joseph needed some reassurance? I'm sure each and every one of us have had experiences, haven't we? We have. Where we just needed some physical touch, right, to get through difficulties in life. You see, while God is truly and solely enough for all of us, that is absolutely true. One of the ways he often provides what we need is through the people he places in our lives. That's exactly what God did in this true Christmas narrative, this true story of the birth of Jesus. He provided Elizabeth to Mary, and he provided Mary to Elizabeth. Why don't you go to Luke chapter 1 if you have your Bibles open. And by the way, funny thought occurred to me. Um, you know, we're, we're just rapidly... We're just moving so fast in technology in this world. I want to see by a show of hands. I took a, I took a little uh, survey at last service, at the 915 service. But by a show of hands, how many of you actually bring a Bible to church or use the Bible that we have in front of us when I say open your Bibles? Raise your hand for a minute. Okay, now how many, put them down. How many actually use your phone? Raise your hand. Huh. Kind of the same. I thought it'd be different. 9.15, there were more hands going up the first time. 11 o'clock, I figured you guys be using your phones. But that's all right. That's okay. I'm glad. That's, I'm the generation that needs this. Okay? So you don't. RJ's probably, if he were here, if he's here, you've probably got your, Joe, what do you, Joe's using a phone. There you go. Luke chapter 1, beginning um, in verse, what verse is it? Twenty. 26, 26, okay? And I really, I'm glad that Luke documents Mary's need for this relationship in, the, in this Christmas gospel, that, that she would go, and in verse 36, actually, it says, when she heard the news, she got ready and hurried off. And I think about, you know, what kind of relationship did she have? Was she a cousin? Was she a family relative? We don't quite know, but to spend three months with, with another woman who something miraculous happened to, the support, the encouragement that both of those uh, those, those ladies had with one another just reminds me or makes me think about the times in my life, really, when, when I know, right, I can reach out to a friend any time of the day, anything, and they just drop everything, right? Do you have a friend like that? I hope you do. They just call and they'll say, what do you need? No questions asked, just what do you need? It just makes me want to, it motivates me to be that kind of person to somebody, somebody else in their life. Verse 26, in the sixth month, in the sixth month meaning of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. 
I'm going to pause there for just a minute because I asked you in the very beginning of my message, what does it feel like when I say the Lord is with you? What does it feel like? And I love how God's word is truly living and active, that when we read it, the Holy Spirit is working. That when we come to it in different seasons of our life, I don't know how many times I've read this text, right? But what jumped out at me as I was preparing for this message, I mean, think about this. The Lord is with you. Does that make you feel good? What did, what did it feel like to Mary based on the text? What was, was she happy? Gee, that's great. The Lord's with me. No, she's greatly troubled and wondered what kind of words this might be. I mean, what's going on? I just think that's fascinating. I just wanted to share that with you. Put that in the back of your head. Verse 30, but the angel said to her, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son. And you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will, will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be barren as in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be, be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in a hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. And why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. God is so good. So good to us and so good to Mary that he provide and confirm what he told her would be true during her pregnancy. Think about it. Can you imagine Elizabeth and Mary and their conversations together. Wait, wait, wait. Say it again. What did the angel say to you? Tell me your story, Elizabeth. Ask Mary. And Elizabeth says, Mary, God took away my disgrace of being barren. I'm pregnant. <laughs> what? It's wonder and amazement. And she goes on and says, yeah, when that happened, I mean, my husband was serving as a priest in the temple. And boom, he became not able to speak. I mean, all these stories that they get to share life together for that time, right? The ups and the downs through all the pregnancy stuff. And God in his goodness provides them grace, one another. I can't leave this section of scripture without thinking of another pregnant lady. And if you're watching Shelby, it's my daughter-in-law who's soon to have my fourth grandchild any time. Any day. Any day. And the first one came about a year ago. They adopted two, if you recall, and now this fourth one's coming, and they call me Papa Bose for the fourth time now. I can't wait. I pray whoever is having a baby or has had a baby or wanting one, that you'd be blessed. But we also thank God for all the sons and daughters, don't we? All the sons and daughters that he places around us. Think about that. 
all the people in our lives to support us, to encourage us, to hug us, to remind us of the truth of God's love tangibly, to be right there, to be Jesus' hands and feet to us, to celebrate the exciting times, to celebrate the times when we mourn, the challenging ones. God reveals his never-ending presence in our lives through people. So who's God calling you? God the Holy Spirit nudging at you this Christmas time to be an Elizabeth too, to be an Emmanuel too, Jesus' hands and feet. And would you, with courage, reach out with a hug? I witnessed it firsthand on my second missionary trip, my, my second time to Fort Pickett, where this woman who went along with me, her name is Brooke, we couldn't take pictures there because, uh, and you'll notice when you see this video, uh, that most of the, the, the footage, the, the pictures are, are just the, the back of the heads because it's still not safe for them to have their face shown yet. But these were people that were trying to escape, you know, during those days at the Kabul airport where thousands of people were rushing in. Uh, even one, I had a, a friend that... Uh, uh, I met at that base that actually knew, if you saw in the news, the soccer player guy that was hanging on to the airplane that fell off to his death. He was good friends with that man. So lots of tragic stories, but I love the way this woman from our church, Brooke, has put it all together on her reflection. So I want you to see her story. When I think of Afghanistan, I will think of Nigela. She is six years old and wears a bright green hijab. Her smile radiates through the trauma in her eyes and I wonder what they have seen. We were told many reasons why the children might separate themselves. A lot to do with class status or type of Muslim, but they didn't want to play with Nigela because she smelled bad. I almost smiled to myself when I figured out why they cut her out of our duck duck goose game because I was trying so hard to understand, thinking it was something deeper when really it was just a smell, something that needs no language or culture. Kids are kids, both here and in Afghanistan. The language barrier was not a barrier at all. It is amazing how much body language and gestures stretch across cultures. I stood up and sat next to Nigela to show without words that we are all loved and welcomed. When I think of Afghanistan, I will think of Nigela, who wrapped her arms around my neck and kissed my cheek, a universal love. When I think of Afghanistan, I will think of the 14-year-old girl whose English was quite good. And when I asked her what she missed most from home, she replied, my roller skates. A wish so simple in the face of so much trauma, I wonder if this in itself is a trauma response. She knows she can't bring back her best friend, her school, her home, but she has hope that maybe one day she can get her roller skates again. A small realistic hope. When I think of Afghanistan, I will think of resilience. I will think of the girl's honesty as she tells me she is confused. She is angry, hurt, sad, and thankful all at the same time. She doesn't know what her future holds but I pray it holds roller skates. When I think of Afghanistan, I will think of Lista and her husband with their many kids running around them. I will think of how open and eager they were to make a friend. Her husband invited me to talk with her saying he could translate. He told of how her sisters and parents are still in Afghanistan and knows that she is scared and lonely. 
He loves her very much. You can see it in the worry in his eyes. In the midst of so much trauma, he wanted to help his wife in any way he could. When I think of Afghanistan, I will think of their selfless love for each other. We talked and I learned and later I cried because bad things happen to good people. I cried for all of the families who were separated and whose safety is unknown. When I think of Afghanistan, I will pray for families to be reunited. When I think of Afghanistan, I will think of the small child who did not want to play games, but just wanted me to hold her. I taught her the English word for hug, and she said yes, hug, and would not let go. I will think of all the children who longed for hugs and fought for my hand, a complete stranger to them, but quickly a friend. When I think of Afghanistan, I will think of the embrace of small hands. When I think of Afghanistan, I will think of the mother, father, and their four children waiting at the airport at the same time as us. I going back to my comfortable home, my place of comfort, them going to California, a place they have never been, with four small children, all their belongings on their back, and no knowledge of the language. With four small children, when do you get the chance to stop and process all the trauma? When I think of Afghanistan, I will think of new beginnings and of their strength and how they should not have to be that strong. When I think of Afghanistan, I will no longer think of what I hear on the news. I will no longer think of some faraway place of destruction. Instead, I will think of the children who offered me water when they saw I was thirsty. I will think of the children who wanted to share their snacks with me. I will think of generosity. I will think of the children who sat patiently with me as they tried to teach me their language. When I think of Afghanistan, I will think of love and hope. I will think of children holding my hand and welcoming me into their world. I will think of mothers allowing me to hear their stories and hold their children. When I think of Afghanistan, I will think of my friends. Isn't that good? Wasn't that well written? I mean, the reflections that she had, that's just the tip of the iceberg, really, because we have so many stories. Each and every one of those missionaries that went along with me have so many stories, but she truly was an Emmanuel, an Elizabeth, the hands and feet of Jesus to give hugs to people. I've heard stories that after people have been vetted and they've left that Fort Pickett base that they actually asked, Where's a church? Where's a church? Some of those folks in Afghanistan could be coming to Michigan. And Brooke has a connection with her grandmother who sits on the board of a resettlement agency. So there may be an ask of me at some point in the future, would you want to be in friendship with an Afghan family here? So be praying about that. But the opportunity that we have, we thank God for us right, that he wraps his arms around us, that he will. Can think about this, okay? I'll give you the vision and picture of heaven, that someday the promise is God will be wrapping his arms around every one of us. Amen? That's Emmanuel. We hear and sing about.